waiting back at home, wife and children. He wanted to get back into a right relationship with God and everything else, but he was in so deep, he just didn't know if he could find a way out. So he took the first step toward creating distance between him and that wrong way of life. He stopped going to the bar after work, and when his friends objected, he'd make up a story. He'd say, oh, i got to go help my son with a science project. That lasted a couple of weeks. And he said, oh, i got to go home. I'm building a deck in my backyard. Now, those were fibs. He wasn't strong enough for some reason to take a bold stand and just say no. But at least he was getting on the road. He was taking steps in the right direction. And he found his way back home. If you want to be living in a different place, if you want your life to take a new direction, then get on the road that leads to where you want to be. That's what Naomi did. Let's continue the story. Naomi began the journey back to Jerusalem with her two daughters-in-law. One was named Orpah, the other Ruth. After they had started on their way, Naomi gave them each a way out. She gave them a chance to get out of this deal. She told them to go back to their mothers to try to find a new husband right there in Moab in their homeland. She knew that she would never be able to provide for them like a husband could. Perhaps life in Bethlehem would be very difficult for a widow and two Moabite women. Her sons had broken custom by marrying Moabite women, foreigners. But they didn't have a whole lot of choice. Naomi knew that in Bethlehem, men would be inclined to marry only Israelites, not foreigners. That was the custom. So Naomi gives them a way out. In verse 9, she says, it says that she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you and your people. Later, Naomi again urged them to stay in Moab and find a husband there. She reminded them that she's too old to marry again and that she won't be able to take care of them. Orpah kissed Naomi goodbye and headed back to Moab. Ruth decided to stay. Here's what I want you to see. When you decide to take your life in the direction it needs to go, just remember that not everyone will be willing to take the journey with you. When you leave Moab on your way back to Bethlehem, some people will want to stay in Moab because they think it's the place that's best for them, and maybe it is. The journey may not necessarily be to a physical place. It may just be a new chapter in life. Either way, in order to build a new life for yourself, you'll have to say goodbye to some people. You'll have to let go of some relationships. I know firsthand that's hard. That's hard. Naomi was just being gut-level honest here. She didn't know what the future would hold. She wasn't sure that she would be able to provide for his, her daughters-in-law. She didn't want them to spend the rest of their lives in poverty with the burden of having to take care of her. Naomi's spirit had been so brutally crushed her past just ate her up. She could hardly be optimistic 
about the future. She said to her daughters-in-law, It's more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. What happened here is that they all reached a moment of decision. Got to decide something right now. They each had to decide for themselves, which way am I going to go? Naomi gave them both a way out. Orpah left, Ruth stayed. These two young women faced the moment of decision that we all face from time to time. In which country will you live? Under whose roof will you live? Whose God will you serve? These were the choices. You can stay in Moab, maybe find a husband, maybe have children, maybe build a good life for yourself. Or you can go to Bethlehem, live as a foreigner with an aging, poverty-stricken widow. You probably won't marry. You may never have children. You'll probably spend your life working in the fields, earning just enough to get by, and you'll always be an outsider. Orpah made the decision that most people would say was rational, sensible. It was the strategic thing to do. She went back to Moab where her prospects were brighter. Ruth, on the other hand, couldn't turn back. There was something that drove her toward Bethlehem. Even though Naomi was in the depths of despair, Ruth was able to see something in her that she didn't see in the people of her own religion back home. Maybe she had heard Naomi's late husband talk about the life back home, the family he knew, the God he served. Maybe that caused her to say, you know what? It's worth the risk. I'm going for it. So in the face of decision, after seeing her sister-in-law gather her things, go back home, Ruth made a commitment. She said to her mother-in-law, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I'll die. And there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. On that journey from the old life to the new life, you'll encounter moments of decision in which you'll determine the direction you'll take, what your future will be. Not everyone will be able to take that journey with you, so you'll have to decide where your loyalties lie. Ruth chose Bethlehem over Moab. She said to Naomi, your home is my home, your people my people, your God my God. Not everything will take, not everyone will take that journey with you, but you'll reach that moment of decision. And you can be sure that it will have to be your decision. No one can make it for you. The story continues. The two women kept going on their journey until they arrived in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a small town, just a few thousand residents. So their arrival created quite a stir. The story says that the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? The name Naomi means pleasant. We have a Naomi that's our office manager, and I'm telling you, she's pleasant. <laughs> 
She fits her name well. But Naomi replied like this, the Naomi in in our story, not our Naomi. (laughs) She said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. She said, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Then she said, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Doesn't sound like a woman of great faith, does it? She doesn't sound like a woman whose life is about to be turned around. She sounds like a woman out of options, a woman at the end of her rope. But let's listen to the next verse. There's some symbolism here that I don't want you to miss. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. As the barley harvest was beginning. Here's what I want you to notice. When you take the journey, that's when the harvest begins in your life. You may feel like Naomi, that you were full and now you're empty. Your life has become bitter, afflicted. But if you're ready to take that journey, you will arrive at the place of harvest in your life. Naomi said that she left full and came back empty. And you know what? That's not always a bad thing. Sometimes there are things that we need to remove from our lives or have them removed in order to make room for something better. We need to come to him empty so he can fill us up. I love Naomi's honesty. See, I don't know how religious people have developed such a habit of creating facades and pretending that everything is wonderful when it just isn't. You just don't see that in the Bible. In the Psalms, again and again, David pours out his heart and expresses his doubt, his fear, his pain. During Job's horrible trial, he releases all his resentment and frustration, tells about what's happening in his life, and he doesn't hold anything back. Naomi does the same thing. To tell you the truth, I struggled a little bit with this because Naomi seemed like such a pessimist. I would rather have her going through that first chapter of Ruth saying, yes, I've had some setbacks, but hallelujah, my harvest is a coming. But she doesn't say that. Not at all. Instead, she says, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. Because I was full and now I'm empty. Now watch this. She was literally days from a brand new life. Just days from a brand new life. The harvest was about to begin, even though she couldn't see it right around the corner. It all happened because of that journey back to Bethlehem. Here's what I want you to know. Even when you feel empty and bitter, 
and afflicted, abandoned. Your life is full of misfortune. Even in those weakest moments, your harvest is right within reach if you will keep moving toward God. Edmund Burke said this, Never despair, but if you do, work on in despair. He said that because the harvest will soon begin. I can't tell you how many times I've been kind of down, despaired, whatever, and um, because I can be a little bit of a workaholic, a little bit of a people pleaser, and uh, being in the ministry kind of feeds both of those things, I would keep working. I've got to just keep busy. You know, I'd rather be busy than mope around the house. And many times, that's what got me through. Just stay busy. Even if I'm in despair, work on in despair. If your life has been going from bad to worse, if your marriage has been going from bad to worse, if your financial life has been going from bad to worse, if your spiritual walk has been going from bad to worse, if we find ourselves in a place we never thought we'd be and we need to know there's a way out, or even when it appears that all hope is lost, there is hope. If our lives are, were full and now they're empty, we can be full again. So let's get on the road. Let's get on it. Go for it. Only takes one step to start. Create a map. Create a plan, a strategy. Do what it takes to start moving in the direction you need to go. Even though that means some will not travel with you. You'll have to say goodbye to some people. You'll have to leave behind some habits. You'll have to face a moment of decision that determines your future. But when you pass through that moment of decision and you take that road where you need to be, you'll arrive just in time for the harvest. Just in time. The harvest has just begun for Ruth and Naomi. We're going to continue that story next week. But this week, I encourage you to do whatever steps are necessary to leave your Moab behind and make the journey to Bethlehem, whatever that means for you. By the way, that's metaphoric. <laughs> you don't need to go to Bethlehem. We want you to stay right here, you know, but whatever it is, God's harvest is waiting for you. Go for it, guys. Go for it. I wish I would have gone for it so many more times in my life. Where would I be? But, you know, no regrets. God can turn those things into good things too. But let's, let's move forward. Let's go to Bethlehem and leave Moab behind. Let's pray. God Almighty, you, you are so awesome that you knew to, to get this little story into the Bible. 
what a story it is. Thank you, Lord, for encouraging us to go after the harvest. You've promised so much. You're such a giver. You gave your only begotten son so we would have eternal life. And that's not where you stop. You just keep giving and giving and giving. You make the ever-ready bunny look like he's standing still. Thank you, God. And Lord, let us take advantage of that, that giving that you have, have done so well, so completely. And let us get on the road toward you. And Lord, give us the strength to, to say no to, to habits or lifestyles or ways or people that we need to say goodbye to. And Lord, just help us to keep that harvest thing in our minds. Even if the harvest is heaven, let us make our, our moves, our, our, our mindsets, everything toward that goal, just like Paul, so we can say that we've lived the good life, we lived a faithful life, we're winning the race. In Jesus' name, amen.